is Bloomberg Surveillance. The problem we have is we have to address what happens if there is a Brexit, and that is obviously sterling weakness and downside. And it's not until they start raising rates that you're going to see the euro-dollar curve accepting more of the Fed's rate guidance. The Fed, I think, has made clear that we should expect a couple of interest rate increases this year, and I don't think it's going to affect the real economy very much at this stage. Bloomberg Surveillance, your link to the world of economics, finance, and investment on Bloomberg Radio. Good morning, everyone. Michael McKee and Tom King. We welcome all of you worldwide and coast-to-coast. Bloomberg Surveillance on radio. Good morning, Bloomberg 1200 Boston, Bloomberg 1130 in New York, 99.1 FM Washington and Baltimore. Good very early morning out in San Francisco. And, of course, all of you in Sirius and XM, Channel 119, across the nation, across Canada. A remarkable day as a president closed out his Japan trip. He is to Anchorage and then to Washington late tonight. I believe about the 10 o'clock hour he will get back to uh, Andrews Air Force Base. We've got a lot to talk about in economics, finance, international uh, relations. First, though, Bloomberg Surveillance this morning brought to you by Invesco. Invesco believes it's time to say goodbye to the traditional 60-40 stock bond allocation. Say hello to alternatives is a core part of modern portfolios. Learn more at Invesco.com slash Alts, 10-year yield, 1.83%, a churn to the market in every way, oil pulling back a little bit. Brent crude, 49, 48.99 uh, per barrel away from the $50 level, but uh, that's what you see within a churn on a Friday before a three-day weekend. We've been recalibrating through the morning with James Sweeney of Credit Suisse, and he joins us. Uh, to continue the discussion uh, right now. Chair Yellen will speak at Harvard today. It's an odd conversation with Greg Mankiw. I guess it's going to be nostalgic and talk about her economics. Remind me what Janet Yellen economics is. Um, I think Janet Yellen economics is a focus on the labor market. And I, I think it's... It's the it's the orthodox monetary policy of inflation targeting, but I but I think the core thing in her history and her work is a deep understanding of of the labor market, and she has a sense of the distribution of of jobs and, and income. And what's great market. about it when she talks labor, James Sweeney, she switches to her Brooklyn accent, and you really hear that Brooklyn when Chair Yellen speaks on slack in the economy of that. Has she had to amend her economics? From a one America labor analysis to at least a bimodal inequality of income and wealth analysis. Yeah, I think she had, well, amend, I don't know, maybe that's a strong word. I'm, I'm not sure that hasn't been there all along, um, in her work. I, I think if she's amended her work, it's, it's, uh, as Fed chair and central banker to the world and to the financial markets, it's understanding the interplay of the global risks and the U.S. labor right. market dynamics, which, which are still quite fluid. Made a lot of progress, but, you know, these right. distribution issues really matter. Dean Mackey's got a vector of unemployment to 4.0%. Do you have a vector of unemployment down to a level we can't imagine? Uh, I think it, it's been falling by 85 basis points a year since 2009. So at 5% now, I, I think that... 4.2, 4.3. I think it's going to slow. I, I think I think that the rate of 
decline is going to slow. So we see it kind of two years from now in the, in the four and a half, kind of four. Why are we so miserable with the sub 5% unemployment rate considered? Because we have slow productivity growth and we have, um, and, and, and we have this, this income distribution issue. And, and the income distribution issue is, is interesting because now we have wages rising and wages have been rising at the bottom end in sectors like retail and leisure and hospitality. Well, let's, let's clarify that through Economic Policy Institute. They've been rising at the bottom end. Yeah. And for the X percent at the top end. Yeah, well, I'm, I mean, I'm talking about within the sector by sector data, not across the income distribution necessarily. So if you look by sector, retail, leisure, right. hotels, restaurants, right, those are $15 right, right. an hour jobs. And you, you've had a, some okay wage gains. And you have lots of anecdotes that firms are having, having a little bit of trouble uh, hiring for the first time in, in a while. Higher, uh, higher income jobs, when you're looking at the whole economy, not focusing on the 1%, Things like healthcare, things like finance, even manufacturing, and that—that's actually been a little bit choppier uh, recently. So there's always, you know, there's always churn in that, even within this secular thing of right. high income growth at the very top and very stagnant income at the very bottom. So every, it's a cycle and it's a long-term trend. Every listener globally, every listener across this nation, goes into a three-day Memorial Weekend in awe of our political process. Everybody can agree that that interesting discourse is outrage over politics and outrage over it's the economy stupid. Yeah. Will that outrage continue to November and, frankly, beyond? I mean, how could it not? I, I think it, it definitely will. But, um, but what I find interesting is how the politics often lag the underlying economic forces. In, in my view, the, the distribution shock where, um, you know, maybe the bottom – portion of the of the income distribution was was not really growing as, as well as the overall pie um, that's actually now starting to shift but if you're getting a small wage increase when you have a low level of income while other people have much higher incomes you're still going to be angry so actually the problem is is slowly getting better mm-hmm. um, but I think people are still quite upset because of the extent it's gotten to. Bloomberg surveillance on a Friday. James Sweeney with us with Credit Suisse. A lot of other good guests uh, coming up. Sort of a, we're going to slide into the weekend with some thought and bigger thought on where we are. Let's revisit the inflation call. Cleveland CPI, which is my fave, always shows a more elevated inflation. The Fed looks at PCE. What's the divide between modern inflation series like Dallas or Cleveland in something as orthodox as the PCE inflation measurement? Well, I mean, there's trimmed means, there's medians, um, there's, you know, PCE, which, which has a little bit of greater uh, influence from different different categories, uh, health care in, in particular. But basically, they're all at 2%. I mean, I, I regard this as 2% inflation. Core CPI, a little bit above 2. Mm-hmm. The trimmed mean, median uh, measures are kind of 2 to 2.5%. Two Core PCE is at 1.6, 1.7. This is 2% inflation. It's fine. It's, it's on trend. And you know. Where are you and Neil Sauce and your team on the idea that if we overshoot inflation, it, and all of us would suggest if we goose price change, does any of that benefit fall over to real economic growth? Um, not. Particularly in a modern open economy with a lot of other adjustments? Yeah, not necessarily. I, I think in, in a short term perspective, perhaps. But if you think that overshooting inflation later leads to tighter policy, Mm -hmm. 
I think the risk is that after this search for yield trade and, and really markets searching for any yields you can get, right. and, and such complacency in markets in terms of where interest rates can go, the risk is that if you run inflation higher than 2% for a while and then it starts shooting up, then you have to start saying, well, maybe we need a 3%, 4%, 5% in interest rate. And that's the kind of shock that ironically could really send the economy right. back into a tailspin. So I think it's better to just be steady right. and to keep it at two. Help me here, and this goes back to your LSE work. I, I saw a movie recently, and there's Winston Churchill sitting with Clement Attlee. I, I think it's in the late 40s. I can't remember the exact period. But Churchill's completely behind the modern discourse of the United Kingdom at that time. How I mean, We just interviewed Whit Stillman, his wonderful new movie, Love and Friendship, and his relationship with Amazon. There's all this innovation going on around digital media, and the computer space is a general statement. Are we too pessimistic because we can't catch up with the speed of innovation right now? Well, I, I think the innovations are creating a lot of change, and that change is leading to insecurity, and it's disrupting businesses, it's disrupting lifestyles, but ultimately this is how it works. Is this it is disrupting our read of productivity? Oh, yeah. I think, I, I, but, but we've me, never had a good, we've never had a good read of productivity. And, you know, I mean, I, I think, you know, you read Robert Gordon's work, it, it's, it's just obvious that the, our living standards were changing at such a rapid rate a hundred years ago. Mm-hmm. And now they're not changing at such a rapid rate because the, because the innovations are clustered in a smaller set of technology right. than pipes and all the things that we were, we were getting then. But I, I think innovation now is probably a little more dynamic than it was in the 1990s, for example. So, you know, productivity measures, long-run productivity measures, I, I think, can be very problematic if, we, if we're going to use them to tell us how living standards are, are going and, and these things. To me, to me there's almost a, a conceptual inflation where we're taking... What do you one, mean by that? That's original. Well, I mean, GDP data. We're using GDP data to tell us what living standards, productivity, right. consumer surplus, utility... You know, all these things. What's the Sweeney alternative then to measure how we are? Is this going to be Lord Laird? Are we going to go into happiness here? No, we're not. We're, we're, but <laughs> we're, we're going to. We can't do that. But we're going to, we're going to say, you know, living standards. Well, let's, you know, let's, let's be a little qualitative. Let's look at people's lives. I mean, I read a book last year, um, a, a his, history of the, of the 19th century and it, and it had a chapter on labor markets. Uh, Jürgen Osterhammel was, was the author. And, and it said, well, 19th century labor markets, you think they're going to talk factories in, in Manchester or something. And he says, well, actually, very few people in the world were working in factories. And if you happen to get a job in a factory right. in the 19th century, oh. the first thing you noticed was you're the first person, male, in the history of your family. To who, be in the factory. No, to work inside. Well, okay. You've worked outside for all okay. of history. Now you can work we're, inside. What happens to living standards when you can actually work inside for the first time? Let's come back with James Sweeney of Credit Suisse from New York. Bloomberg Surveillance. This hour of surveillance brought to you by Volvo Cars White Plains. Visit VolvoCarsWhitePlains.com. Here's Michael Barr with news headlines. Mike, Tom, thank you very much. President Barack Obama says the world has shared the responsibility to ask how to prevent the suffering that took place in Hiroshima 70 years ago from happening again. 
President Obama spoke today at Hiroshima Peace Memorial Park in Japan, making him the first U.S. sitting president to visit the city since the U.S. dropped an atomic bomb in 1945. The president then spoke briefly with some Hiroshima survivors. The chief investigator in last week's Egypt airplane crash says officials have picked up a beacon in the Mediterranean that's believed to be from the aircraft. All 66 people on board were killed when the plane was close to finishing its flight from Paris to Cairo. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists and more than 150 news bureaus around the world. I'm Michael Barr. Mike, Tom. Thank you, Michael. We're looking at an up day for the stock market, at least the open. S&P futures up by two points. Dow futures by 17. This is Bloomberg Radio Worldwide. Bloomberg Surveillance is brought to you by Bank of America Merrill Lynch. Seeing what others have seen but uncovering what others may not. Global research that helps you harness disruption. Go to top global research firm five years running. Merrill Lynch, Chris Finner and Smith Incorporated. Global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app. And on your radio, this is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. This update's brought to you by BNY Mellon, introducing Asset Strategy View, helping fund managers gain insight into where asset owners are investing and how their strategies are changing. Visit bnymellon.com to learn about Asset Strategy View. Thermo Fisher Scientific will buy FEI for about $4.2 billion, gaining imaging technology for the life sciences and material science industries. U.S. stock index futures are little changed to higher this morning as investors await a speech by Federal Reserve Chair Janet Yellen. S&P E-mini futures up almost two points. Dow E-mini futures up 17. NASDAQ E-mini futures up eight. The DAX in Germany is up almost two-tenths percent. Ten-year Treasury, little change, yield 1.83 percent. NYMEX crude oil down nine-tenths. Tenths percent or forty three cents to forty nine oh five a barrel. Comex gold down a tenth of a percent or a dollar ten to twelve twenty one sixty an ounce. The euro a dollar eleven seventy seven. The yen one zero nine point six three. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Mike. Karen Moscow, thank you very much. We're talking with uh, Paul Sweeney, the uh, chief economist at Credit Suisse Securities, and Tom was uh, asking about your view of inflation, basically two percent. You were saying before the break. I'm just curious about um, are we Seeing any pricing power as part of that for companies, we get the first look at corporate profits. They're not expected to be great. They were terrible in the fourth quarter uh, in the GDP report today. And you got to wonder if companies – you mentioned earlier on uh, Bloomberg Surveillance Television that a lot of it is because the labor share is rising, but uh, are companies going to be able to make any of that up by passing along some of their costs? Yeah, that's right. Um, and we, we, have, we have seen margins come down. Um, which means so far the, the evidence is that firms have not passed along these, uh, the rising labor costs and, you know, aggregate inflation. As I said, it's been pretty steady really overall. Um, I, I think going forward, if we continue to see wage growth acceleration, so we get average hourly wage growth up kind of three, three and a half percent, I think at, at that point in certain sectors like the restaurant sector, we'll probably see a little bit faster inflation and a little bit more pass through, but, but so far, um, not not a whole lot of that. It's it's eating into margins, and and the, the thing you have to know is is that margins uh, and that profit share, you know, ha- have been actually pretty strong for a while. So we have high corporate profits. So um, and and some of that high corporate profits is related to a five seven year period where labor is really cheap, interest rates are really low, 
the mix of growth specifically was good for profits. So there's a bunch of factors that have kept margins a little bit wide. And I, I think now some of those factors are going into reverse. They're coming in. And, you know, it, pricing power would come along if you have a lot of credit growth, you have a lot of nominal income growth in the economy, um, and you actually have an inflation problem. My view is that the Fed will be hiking interest rates as they see an economy move into these type of full employment dynamics, and that that will ultimately arrest any kind of upward, um, significant upward drift in inflation beyond their, their 2% target. Well, the, the big debate in uh, economics is whether or not the Phillips curve still holds as unemployment gets tighter. Are we going to see inflation rise? Or is there a new normal in inflation? Has the Walmart, we used to call it Walmartization of the economy, where the, the, the pressure is always on the lower prices, always and everywhere. Has that become the new normal in economics? Well, I, I think I think what the data show, what the literature show, is that there is still a Phillips curve. Um, it's just not very steep, which what does that mean in English? It means um, for a given fall in the unemployment rate, you don't expect a very significant rise in, in inflation. And in fact, um, the, the old Phillips curve was about the change in inflation versus the unemployment rate. It's, it's nowadays it's really more the level of inflation versus the unemployment rate. Um, so, you know, if, if we keep if we see unemployment continue to fall below right. five, maybe we have core inflation move a bit higher, but then policy can adjust and, you right. know, it's all, it's all just part of the same system. But, but you sneak in there, and I understand it's a geometry-free Friday, but this is critical. The percentage change or first derivative movement of price versus the level of price. Yep. Explain, particularly to Americans, this is a very European-centric idea, why does the level of inflation matter versus year over year? Well, because the level is the is the target, is the anchor that monetary policy uh, makers use to judge their interest rate decisions. So they say a two percent inflation, roughly, is uh, is is what they target, and it happens we're close to that now. They also say that something like a five percent uh, unemployment rate is their is their target. Um, so we're just about there now. Um, Janet Yellen has said. That the current, you know, time varying neutral, uh, policy rate, real policy rate is zero percent. That means the nominal rate is one and a half, two percent in normal conditions. Normal conditions, five percent unemployment, two percent inflation. That's, that's where we are. So that means Janet Yellen has told us through the lines that they have about 150 basis points of hikes to do. Um, if the economy's yeah. normal, if. and the economy does actually seem normal, but there are these then, big risks from the global economy. Excuse me, then what are we waiting for? Well, that's why they're talking about June and July. And, and you know, the bond market has been very reluctant to take on that orthodox monetary policy perspective. Um, but, you know, I can tell you in, in talking to investors in the last six months, if I talked to someone who trades foreign exchange or interest rates, and, and they're really, really skeptical that you're going to have a hiking cycle. I talked to equity people, and it was all here. It was, why not April? Why not, why not June? Um, we're going to have high inflation, right? So it's very different perspectives depending on which market you, uh, you look at. But I think people that focus on yields and focus on uh, exchange rates have watched the, the behavior of central banks lower and lower and lower for so long that there's almost disbelief that, that rates Well, you wonder how many direction. of them remember a normal environment. That's true. And, I mean, and that's that's in itself 
an important point. That's true. You okay over there, Michael? I'm just I'm listening and learning. <laughs> no, I, I just you, you really wonder whatever the and we you know we don't have an opinion. We just talk to smart people like James Sweeney, but you wonder what the ramifications are of. Can they do a well? We got to we got to run here. We got to get you back on whether it's a one or done, and you can jawbone. We're just going up once, or by any movement you imply a measured vector higher, which would be two different market reactions. James Sweeney, thank you so much with Credit Suisse, greatly appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, this morning. Be careful with the, you know, the the math today. It's Friday. Before it's Friday. A long I know. Holiday my, you people know, don't want to use I, their brains. I agree. Know. They want to just totally. listen to us. I got halfway through the third period last night. <laughs> Bloomberg surveillance. Your Stanley Cup network. West Texas Intermediate 4908. Brent crude 49. Even where does oil go from here? And what does it mean for the economy? Daniel Jurgen, IHS. Coming up on Surveillance.